Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Hey, um, we're back, right? Katie and I took a trip last week. We got out of town. It was like the first Sunday we've missed in a while. And I'll tell you what. We've been going hard in the paint here at the church for a little bit, as they say, in the Hooper world. Shout out Nuggets, up 3-0, no big deal, but um, okay, okay. Um, man, but it was good to get a little breather, get away. We, uh, we got to go to Charleston, South Carolina for my cousin's wedding and spend some time with each other and with some family down there. And uh, it was great. It was such a good time, relaxing, and I'm so grateful for the team here uh, leading everything as well as they did. I thought Taylor just preached an absolutely bonkers, awesome sermon last week, so way to go, brother. We're going to try and build on that today as we close out John's first letter. And so we've been going through uh, the letters of John. We're going to finish his first letter. If you've read ahead in your Bible, which you're free to do, you have it hopefully all of the time. Uh, John writes three letters to the church that he's trying to encourage them to remain in the faithfulness of Jesus. He's trying to assure them of their salvation. He's trying to remind them that Jesus is the only way. And he's trying to challenge them in their love and their obedience to Jesus, right? And that's what we've been going over these last several weeks. And John, he's kind of like, I don't know if your grandpa ever did this. I know my grandpa, um, when we'd sit down and hear his stories, he had about four stories that he told all the time. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? But he'd, he'd sit down and he'd tell each story with the vigor and the intensity and the creativity and, and maybe some embellishments. You know, he, he wouldn't ever let the facts get in the way of a good story for sure. But he would just, he'd tell you that story over and over again. And every time you'd have to just kind of go, I've heard this already. But yeah, oh yeah. And then, oh, and then that happened. Yeah, that's right. It's so good, right? And that's kind of how John writes, isn't it? He's this 80-year-old man who's been in love with Jesus for 60-plus years, walked with him, talked with him, and now he's writing this church to encourage them as many of their friends, many of the leaders in the church, are walking away and abandoning the love they had for Jesus at first, following after a different teaching, obsessed with different things other than Jesus. And he's trying to write to this church. He's saying, little children, my friends, people that I care about, hold fast, remain and what we're going to get at today is that John really, it's, it's not going to be anything new that we haven't talked about yet. But what he's trying to do today in the last closing chapter of this first letter is he's trying to tell us that we can be assured of our eternity in Christ. And so listen to me, I, like I, I know how this goes. A lot of us, we're in church every single week and we know that we're saved. We know that we're saved, right? Except for that one day that you're not so sure. Anyone ever have that, had that day? Like I'm not, I'm not really sure if I, am I? Do I even believe any of that? Just let me, let me do this real quick. Just to reassure you, because the devil loves to make us lonely. The devil loves to isolate us a little bit. Who's ever just kind of questioned their salvation as a mature saint of God? All right, so about every hand in this room just went up if you didn't notice that, all right? So John is, what he's gonna do today is he's gonna lay out for us some signs that we can be assured that we're going to heaven, that we know Jesus and that we belong to him, all right? So one of the things that was interesting about Charleston is that uh, it's a really cool city. I don't know if you've been before, but it's really old, super old. I loved the history of Charleston. Like they just, there were things there that were older than anything we have here in Colorado, right? And, And I love like some of the rules and some of the things they have, like Charleston proper, like downtown, they can't have any buildings that exceed the height of any chapels that are in the highest chapel in that area. Isn't that cool? It's actually referred to as the holy city because there are so many churches around the area of Charleston. 
And these steeples, they're tall and they're beautiful and you just wonder how they built them and it's fantastic. And like a lot of other places, maybe even Loveland, Colorado, it kind of feels like the city has just grown out of control and they never had the infrastructure in place beginning with to plan for that kind of growth. Right, so you're driving around and there's like, you're driving around at night, there's not even, there's not even street lights really. Like you're just kind of driving around in the dark. The first night we got in, it was raining and we just kind of didn't know where we were going and it was overwhelming. There's not a lot of signage going on. You would, it was so weird. You'd be driving down this road and out of nowhere, there'd just be this sign, just big bold letters, church. <laughs> like, what? Well, that's cool, but it's not helpful for me to get to where I'm going. You know what I mean? And like how I'm so grateful as we were driving around, we weren't staying in Charleston. We were probably about 30 minutes outside of there. And, and like the directions were like, hey, just go down River Road until you hit the 1020 and then take a left and then keep going down that way a little bit longer. And I'm just like, praise God for GPS. I'm honest, like, thank you, Waze app, whoever made that, just like that was the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ on that per human being to keep us informed, right? Because like, we don't, we don't appreciate how easy it was to get lost at one point as you drove around. How many of y'all, you remember these? Yeah, come on, everybody over 30 is like rejoicing right now because you know what I'm about to do, right? You'd have to go to some city and you'd get some city map, right? And you'd be like, all right, here's how we get from A to B, honey. And you'd open up and you and your spouse wouldn't fight at all, right? You'd be like, okay, here we go. How do we get there, right? You'd be going down. Here, I'm gonna hand you this, I have no idea. We're gonna have to refold that for second service. I have no idea how that's gonna happen, but it was... I remember that. Like I was a kid when my mom was sit there with the road atlas in the front seat as we're trying to get to somewhere, right? And it's hard. It's hard to get places. If the signage isn't there, you're like, look for the big red barn. And you're like, we passed like six. I don't know where to turn, you know? I didn't see a road when we were passing the landmarks that you were trying to give me. And that like, listen, I think our faith sometimes is like that. Someone's like, hey, just go that way. And you're pretty sure you're heading in the right direction. You're pretty sure you're on track. But sometimes along the way, you're like, are we still going in the right direction? And listen to me, every journey that you go on, including your faith journey, needs reassurance and needs reminders that you are heading in the right direction. Even your faith, everyone. John writes this letter to encourage us that we can have reassurance as believers that in this crazy cultural moment that we're living in, as the winds are blowing everywhere, like Taylor talked about last week, we can be assured that we are heading in the right direction. And there are signs that he gives us here in 1 John chapter 5 that we can say, okay, there it is. I just passed that sign. I'm going in the right direction. Okay, praise God. Here it is, 12 more miles. I'm going in the right direction. Because we need that reminder. Don't kid yourself that you don't think you need that reminder. Because there's coming a day when I don't know if the, if the life you've built out around you if starts to cave in a little bit. Circumstances start to fall. The call comes that you never thought you were going to receive. And everything out, you, out from underneath you starts to fall a little bit. And you're going to need to know okay, am I, am I still heading in the right direction? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at 1 John chapter five. And I don't have verses for these first, um, this first little bit here. I'm just gonna read it to you, but then we're gonna unpack one verse at a time. So John writes in 1 John chapter five, starting in verse one. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we that." We love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? 
If you jump down to verse 12, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He starts with that. He ends with that in his first letter. I'm writing this so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's pray real quick and then we'll jump into the rest of the sermon. God, I just ask that you would speak to us today. It's not gonna be uh, my words that convince anyone today, God, but hopefully your truth as we look at it, as we meditate on it, as we lift our eyes up to Jesus, would your Holy Spirit come and help us pick our gaze up towards you today? And would we be reassured that we can have salvation in you and that we can walk this life with Jesus? It's in your name we pray, amen. So faith in Jesus is the primary and pinnacle thing that can remind you. It's the primary and pinnacle signpost that you are heading in the right direction. This is what John shows us right at the get-go. He says in verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So if you can sit here today and you can say, not just that generically Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but if you can say today, he's my Lord and Savior, then you can be assured that is the first signpost of your salvation that you are heading in the right direction. Some days, man, things are gonna happen. You're gonna be like, man, do I even believe all this? But if you can sit there and if you can, in your little prayer closet, go, okay, I know that Jesus is who he says he was, then you can be assured that you are a believer in him. Now, it's not just enough to acknowledge that he is a savior, that he is a Lord, because James tells us that even the demons can do that. Even the devil knows who Jesus is, right? Even the, de even the devil is completely aware that Jesus has come, that he has vanquished sin, that he has paid for all the penalty that you and I would do. Like G the devil knows all of that. The difference between you and I and the devil is we get to say, he's not just a savior and Lord, he's my savior and Lord. I, I belong to him. I trust you, Jesus. I may have questions right now, but I lay my questions down and I trust in you. I believe in you. I'm trusting in your resurrection. 1 John 5.12 says, whoever, starting in verse 1, says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So if we believe in Jesus, we have life. It keeps going to say, whoever has the Son, go to that next slide for me, Austin. Um, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This is what John is trying to get at us, is that if you know Jesus, if you trust Jesus, if you can say the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, that is a signpost of your salvation. And it's important that we know that one because the devil is going to consistently try to convince us and lie to us that we don't actually believe that. I wanted to quote uh, the now late Tim Keller today. Uh, if you don't know Tim Keller, he went home to be with the Lord this last week. And what a, what a giant in the faith he was, right? Uh, he has so impacted my preaching, just me as a believer even, not even me as a pastor, but just me as a Christian. Tim Keller has had such an imprint on my life. And he says it this way, Satan does not control us with fang marks on the flesh, but with lies in the heart. Our best defense in the fight against his lies is not the production of incantations. We don't just have cheeky sayings that we rehearse. We don't just kind of tout and spit off these little things, but no, what we do is we rehearse the truth. That is how we are reminded of who Jesus is. Taylor talked about it last week. If we're gonna see this love, if we're gonna be aware of this love that God has for us, we have to rehearse the truth. And so as we come to Jesus, as we have belief in him, what that then turns into is that belief in Jesus yields a love for God and a love for people. This was all of last week's sermon. I don't have time to rehash the whole thing now. But if we, if we are gonna take the Bible and if we're gonna hold it properly, what we're gonna see pretty quickly is that if we love Jesus, 
We will love people. There's no halfway in between with that commandment. A love for God, a genuine faith in who Jesus is. If we're going to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior, what that is going to yield in us, guaranteed, is a love for God, an appreciation for him, an adoration of him, affection towards Jesus, a love for the things of God, and less of a love for things of this world. And as that gets into us, it's going to create every time a love for people. And John minces no words about this throughout his letter. He has so often, so many times, he's just saying, man, if you love God, you will love people. He says in 1 John, uh, starting in verse 2 of chapter 5, by this, we know, that we, we know that we love the children of God when we love God. So genuine faith in Jesus, genuine faith in Jesus, that's our first signpost, leads us to our next signpost. And that is a love for God and a love for people. And as we love God, as we love people, what that creates in us is a non-burdensome behavior of fruitfulness and a burdensome battle against the flesh. Let me unpack these two things right here. As we love God, as we fall in love with God, what that's gonna do is it's gonna create for us a non-burdensome behavior of fruitfulness. As in a, a tree, I have, this, I have this little lime tree that I've been trying to grow for the last you know, like year. Hopefully this summer will be the summer. I will finally grow a lime. Like that, is, that is one of my biggest hopes right now coming into summertime. I'm like, yeah, kids, I love you. Excited to see you. Excited for the warmth. But if this thing could just make one lime, I will be the happiest man on planet earth, okay? <laughs> my joy comes from the Lord, but my happiness is really hinging on this lime tree right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do not expect that lime tree to physically grunt and to show signs of, of effort and to just be trying its hardest to produce a lime. No, but what it does, because it's a lime tree, is as I water it, as I put it in the sun, what does it naturally do as a byproduct of life? It creates fruit. That's probably why I'm so mad at it right now. You know what I'm saying? But this is, this is what it should be like for the believer. Your effort, if we look at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things, you can't muster them, at least for long. You could maybe be a really kind person for like a day. And then that person that just drives you crazy, if you're on your just like kindness effort and you're just like, I'm gonna do everything I can to be kind this week at work, I guarantee you, Tuesday morning, that person that you can't stand is going to work and they're gonna walk right into your office. You're gonna be like, okay, how do I do this? The only way, the only way that you're sustained in the fruitfulness of the spirit is by abiding with Jesus. It's him who has all, of, it's the fruit of the spirit, not fruits, plural. It is a singular thing. As you abide in him, as you remain in him, as you stick close to his teaching, as you meditate on his word, as you spend time in prayer, as you lift up your voice in worship, that fruit starts to get in you and it is a non-burdensome behavior to begin producing that fruit out of you. Gosh, I can't tell you exactly what it's gonna look like this week, but I can tell you, I am more patient as a human being than I was 10 years ago. And when I'm feeling the days where I'm like, God, is any of this even working in my life? maybe not so well in the last season of life. Like I'll tell you what, Katie and I, one of the things we noticed in Charleston was like, we were probably more tired and less patient with our kids than we needed to be coming into that vacation. And I came back and we looked at each other and I was like, I kind of got, I feel like I got a well built up again of patience for my kids. And then some things happened. I was like, okay, hold on. Well's, well's, well's emptying too quick. I got to fill it back up, right? <laughs> Parents, you with me right on summer vacation? You're like, oh no, 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 fill it back up. The only way I'm going to fill that well, the only way you're going to fill that well is time with Jesus. Our goal is not to look more Christian. Our goal is to look more like Jesus. Our goal is to spend more time with him. 
And that's going to come with being around church people for sure. Like you should be engaged in, plugged into a church. But the goal is not to look more Christian in the cultural normative things that we see. The goal is to look more like Christ, full of the Spirit of God, full of the fruit of the Spirit of God. And as that non-burdensome behavior is produced in us, it should simultaneously exist along with a battle against our flesh. So no, we don't try to just be more like Jesus. We remain with him and that makes us more like Jesus. But the effort that we put forth in our, in our ability to look more like Christ is we try to put to death the things that are earthly in us still, right? If we, if we bounce over now um, to Colossians, or I'm sorry, Matthew 11.30. Let's look there first, Matthew 11.30. Jesus says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about his teaching, his way of life. He's like, put this on, this yoke, this thing that you carry. If you're gonna put on a way of Jesus, put on the practices of Jesus. He says it's easy and light, not as in it's simple, but as in you start to walk like him and he starts to carry you with him. You start to look like him. Things in your life will go better if you put on the practice of Jesus. But also then Paul writes for us in Colossians chapter three. He says, your effort in your salvation is to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death the sexual immorality, the impurity, the passion, the evil desire, the covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. He's acknowledging church that we have a tendency, a proclivity and a history of walking in these things. He says, you once walked when you were living in them, but now, but now as saints, as followers of Jesus, as little children, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Put it all away from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So how do we know that we're Christians? We're acknowledging that Jesus is our Lord and Savior personally. Another signpost, the next signpost would be there, there is a bit of love. There is love that is stirring in us for God and for people. The next one is this, this word called obedience. And we're obedience in the way that we're remaining in Jesus and we're obedience in the way that we're putting to death our old nature. Now here's, here's the problem with dropping that as a signpost right now is because the legalistic side of you is going, well, shoot, I don't think I'm as far along as I should be. Let me just... Breathe a little peace into your life today. Not one person in this room is as far along as they thought they would be by now. Come on, I got any like gray hair saints in the room just want to affirm that that's true? How many of y'all been following Jesus 50 years and you can say, I'm not, as, I'm not as far along in Christ as I thought I would be by now? But again, if we look back, if we go, okay, wait, I, there's some been, there have been some things that have changed in my heart. I'm not the person I used to be. If there is a sin in your life that you keep turning to and it is frustrating you and you are, you are mad at that sin, I would acknowledge you're mad at the sin. Put it to death. There is a, if there is a heart posture that is disdain towards the sinful parts of your life, then you're walking in the right direction. You're heading on the right path. The, the journey is still going well for you. You might not be walking in as much as you want to be in yet, but keep going. It is a signpost of your salvation. Keep pressing in. And as we have faith, as we have love, as we have obedience, those things, they invite victory into your life. Okay, so let me just like talk to all of my people with like a little bit of a reformed background right now who are nervous that I just use that word victory in church, right? We're not going prosperity gospel. 
but we're going to acknowledge some of the prosperity in the gospel. Those two things are different, but I want to walk you through it right now. First John chapter five, looking at verse four again, he says this, we read it up top for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? That word victory, what it means is that you were, you were short of God's standard. You had fallen off of God's mark, but because you have now put your faith in Jesus, you now have the ability to supersede the natural ordering of this world. And you can now have victory. You can now be triumphant. You can now overcome the things that have other people stuck in this world. Sin, a behavior you can't get rid of, a, a mindset that you can't, maybe you're just like, I just can't quit thinking this way. I know it's not healthy. I know my mental health isn't right, but man, I want to think differently. Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is you can overcome the things of this world. That is what Jesus has bought for you. In Colossians 1, again, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. We once lived in this, this dwelling of darkness, this domain of darkness, and we have been transferred over into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we can say, my dad is for me. He's not against me. My God is with me. He's the same God who did all that stuff with Moses and David and Jacob, and he is still right here in this room doing the same thing today. The God who saved back then is still saving right now. The God who healed back then is still healing right now. He is the same God. And so we can hold to that victory. We can press in that victory if we're also willing to acknowledge him as Lord, come to him in faith, have love, walk in obedience, and now ask God, won't you do the same thing that you did then? Won't you do it right now? Psalm 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man and woman who walks in, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but makes their delight in the law of the Lord. On, their, on God's law, we meditate day and night. We're like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in and out of seasons, and its leaf does not wither. Read that last line. In all that he does, he prospers. Listen to me, we, we turn so frequently and the air of the prosperity gospel is it's gonna turn towards all the physical blessings of this world, health, wealth, uh, status, um, influence, all of these kinds of things. But primarily when we talk about us prospering in Jesus, it is, it is that we can have victory over sin. There's a spiritual prosperity to be gained. There, there, is a, there is a emotional and, and, a, and a mental prosperity that exists in the gospel. And yes, I'll tell you, there is some physical benefit, benefits to following after God's law. You, you cannot rob the, like, from God saying, if you order your finances the way that I've told you to, if you order your relationships the way that I've told you to, that is going to lead to some blessing and some prosperity in your life. The problem is when we collide then with unfortunate circumstances and we go, okay, God, where are you at here? Why is this not prospering in my life? And it made me think of immediately a guy named Joseph in your Bible. Remember Joseph? All the way back in Genesis, you read the reading plan, right? It was back in like January, February, you read about Joseph. Right, Joseph is, he's this brother. He's not the smartest of the brothers, clearly, because he's just bragging about how much he's more awesome than everyone else and how much his daddy loves him more than any other of the brothers, right? And so the brothers get mad. They have this idea that they're gonna kill him. They're like, wait, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery instead. So, right, so they, they try to get some money for him. They leave him in a pit to die. And, and, and God does something amazing. God brings him into the household of Egypt. 
And he, he lives this uncompromising life. And it says the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. You can't ignore these words of your Bible. He became a successful man. He was in the house of the Egyptian's master. His master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The circumstances went his way because the Lord was doing it. So Joseph found favor in the sight in his sight and attended him. And he made him the overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. I love this line. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Wouldn't you just love somebody like that in your life? No concerns about what's for lunch until you get to lunchtime. And then you can figure that out, right? I'm just like, that would be nice. And also says that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I just left that on there because it's like, that's oh, good to know. Joseph was attractive looking, right? <laughs> Going back now to 1 John, back to chapter 5, verse 19 now, the end of this chapter. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. Jesus has come. God has come incarnate in the form of a man so that we may know and understand what is true. Taylor used this line last week. Truth is not internal and fluid. It is external and it is fixed. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus has come so that we might have understanding of the things of God. And as we understand the things of God, we can order our life around the things of God. And as we do that, there is blessing and there is prosperity. And I love that your Bible is real enough to tell you if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, I'd invite you to read it this week, and you read about the hall of faith, and some people put armies to flight, and some people close the mouths of lions. There's these awesome heroic things, and you're reading these verses, and you're like, yes, yes, God, yes, ah. Oh. And then it says, and a lot of them were defamed, and some were sawn in two, and some were martyred for the faith. The acknowledgement that victory doesn't always look like how we want it to look, but we can be assured of this, the battle's been won. The battle's been won. And so no matter, what you're, no matter what you're going through in your life right now, it might be leading you to question, okay, God, am I on the right path right now? And don't look as the, at the trial in front of you. Don't look at the hard thing in front of you as a sign that you're going in the wrong direction. I would say, look at that as a sign that you're facing opposition, heading in the right direction. Keep pressing in. Keep loving God. Keep serving others. Keep being obedient. Keep putting to death the fleshliness in you. And keep on acknowledging that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Come what may, I just want to serve him. Come what may, I just want to be pleasing him. And so as we end the service today, I just want to give us some space to acknowledge some of the promises that God has for us in the last few verses of the first letter that John writes for us. If we can kind of roll those slides in, Austin, for the respond time. By the way, Austin's working the slides. I'm not talking to myself, okay? I just always like to remind you of that. Let's just work through these. Can you put the first one? The first promise that John gives for us is in verse 15. He says, I'm writing all these things so that you may know you can have eternal life. And so if you need to respond today in a way that says, I need to be reminded of that today. I just take a few moments as we end the service here and just ask the Holy Spirit to assure you of your salvation. Look at the signposts. Look at the things that are going on in your heart. No, you might not be as good at that as you thought you would be, but is it there? Can you acknowledge it? The next promise that he has in verse 14, he says, and if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
We don't serve a God who's so mighty that he's far away. We serve a God who's so mighty that he's also close. He's here. He's eminent. He also, then in the next verse, in verse 15, it says, he hears us in whatever we ask. Maybe your prayers have felt like they've just been hitting a ceiling recently. Like, man, I just, just go in my quiet time. I'm just going into my prayer time. And there's just nothing there. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. He's listening. I can promise you that. Not out of my own words, but out of John's words. He hears us. Verse 18 it says, we know that anyone born of God does not keep on sinning. That persisting in sin. You don't let your, we do, remember I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Taylor referenced it last week. We don't put our weight down into sin. That's not our, that's not our place anymore. That's not where we live anymore. We, we might stumble in sin. And in chapter two reminds us anytime we stumble in sin, praise God, we have an advocate in Jesus who's, who's pleading the blood of Jesus as our propitiation of our sin. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. But maybe this time for you in response is to acknowledge, I have this sin in my life and I need to let it go. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into that today. And the last one is that we know in verse 19, we know that we are children of God. Maybe you've had an easy time relating to God intellectually, but it's been really hard for you to relate to God intimately as his child. And let's let my words get out of the way and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come right now and to speak to us. So we're gonna like just go through those different, oh, the last one, sorry, number six. We know, we know that the son of God has come and he's given us understanding and we know him and know, we know him and are in him who is true. And so we remain, we abide. These two slides are just gonna kind of toggle back and forth for the next few minutes. And I'd love if we could just now ask the Holy Spirit to come in our hearts as we just respond. So Holy Spirit, won't you come? Give us a moment right now to encounter you, to be reminded of who you are and what you've done. I just encourage you personally now to just spend some time praying with the Lord, looking at these things to respond to. Spirit, we just ask that you come. Help us to be reassured of our salvation today. Help us to walk with that kind of boldness and that kind of confidence, the kind of courage that could only know, come from knowing that you are our God, that you've saved us, that you've reconciled us to yourself. Jesus, help us put to death what is earthly in us. Help us to continue to remain in you and produce your fruit. God, I ask for the people in here who are weary and tired, not feeling like they're connecting with you. Holy Spirit, even now, would you reach them? Would you touch them? Would you stir up their affection? Would you light something up into their heart that would help them be drawn to you all the more? We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.